opportunity Seize everything you ever wanted In one moment Did you capture it? Just let it slip Yo His palms are sweaty Knees weak, arms are heavy There's vomit on his Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Winged Octopus. This is Tyler here alongside Tanner and Tess. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Life is good. And Tess, how are you doing tonight in Michigan? Uh, I'm doing okay. Long work day, but grinding through it. And so I would say here it's it's been like up and down. Yesterday it was rain and like in the 40 today is 80 degrees i don't know the oh, the weather like is just, <laughs> yeah i guess massachusetts and michigan have similar uh, weather cycles so without further ado there was a hiccup here with uh, the red wings and you know there's still another one that needs to be uh solved but for for the, for now this one has been solved thomas tatar signed a four-year 21.2 million dollar deal that's 5.3 average annual value so basically 5.3 a year under the cap hit. Um, it has a full trade protection in the third year, and then in the fourth year it has a partial trade protection. So I believe at the deadline you can move him with, and w- without, um, without him having to waive his no movement clause or whatever it is, excuse me. Um, so I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that real quick, just, just the contract and, you know, like what it means for the Red Wings going forward here. Uh. I was first off a little bit surprised that they got a deal um, done as early as it happened. Um, when, a week or two ago, when we did this podcast, or were reading how far apart that both of these te- or uh, both sides stood um, before arbitration came around, it seemed like they were way far apart on money and years. Uh, I thought Tatar was going to play his last year in Detroit and then go get his money elsewhere. Uh, I mean, the Wings tried to pay him less than what Abdulkader is currently making annually, which was terrible. And I would have laughed at that offer from them too. But, um, you know, I don't know as much some of the issues that we've heard in that locker room. Um, You know, I don't know if Tatar had anything to do with that. But um, I don't think that they overpaid or extended uh, for Tatar. I was glad that it was kind of kept to a four-year, $5 million deal. Um, but they still have to re, uh, re-sign Anthony Siu, I think, and I think they just have a little bit of space to do that. Um, they might have to make another cap move elsewhere uh, to do so, which was brought up the other day in an article that uh, we talked about um, that was brought on NHL on NBC, and I don't remember if it was them or somebody from winging it in Motown um, wrote it, but talked about buying out uh, Erickson to create a little more space there. Um, yeah, that was NHL on NBC. Yeah, which, which which I love that idea. Um, but it's overall a good contract for the Wings and, and a good contract for Tatar. Um, I hope he grows into a leader into that locker room, and you know he'll be 30 years old when that contract is up. So, uh, kind of gives him another opportunity to play for another big contract in uh, the coming years. Yeah, so I think my my general thoughts. You know, I, I'm glad they didn't extend themselves and end up paying yeah. six. Or, or five and a half for him. I mean, I guess they almost went to five and a half, but they bent and they didn't break. And I think that the the Tatar comment of this will be my last season in Detroit if I don't get a long-term deal, uh, I think that kind of swayed Ken Holland to say, yeah. okay, you know what, yeah. let's not piss this guy off. This guy's scored 20 goals each of the last few years, and, you know, he's been pretty consistent. So let's give this guy his money. He deserves it. 
you know, it, maybe he can grow into a little bit of a leader. And then when we're ready to win again, or, well, he thinks we're ready to win right now, uh, you know, he, he'll be long gone probably. Um, but yeah, Tess, again, I want to get your thoughts real quick. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tanner. No, I was just saying again, it surprised me because we didn't seem like either sides were close to a deal. I, I was surprised that it kind of came up that quickly or uh, that they agreed that soon. But Yeah, I was pretty stunned when it happened, to be honest with you. Tess, I want to get your thoughts. Please. Well, last show, I was basically telling Tatar he can go pack up his shit and leave because I was <laughs> done with his piss-poor attitude. But that when I saw shit. the deal... <laughs> yeah, hashtag pack your shit. Um, when I saw the deal was done, I like I, I didn't hate it. I was expecting like that one-year deal, like, okay, he'll have one more year, you know, and leave. But then I found the article that Craig Custance did. He wrote it back on Saturday, and I was just reading through it before we went on, and it was like, I feel like he was like behind the scenes, but he said um, both parties went out to dinner the night before and before talks were going, they were joking and just having like, civilized conversations. So that made me feel better that like there was no hostility. Tatar just wanted to get what he thought was worth. Yeah. And Ken Holland, you know, you know, he heard Tatar's side of it and they just came to agreement, which I made happy. It was like civilized. I didn't want any bad blood going into this new season. So to see everything was basically mutual and civil, I was very pleased and I'll be on the Tatar bandwagon for this season. He just has to prove himself. That's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, I think Tatar's one of the few guys on the team that like, you know, wears his emotions on his sleeve. I mean, I think one of the coolest moments in Tatar's career was when his father died and, you know, they were in LA and he scored, I think it was a hat trick or was it two goals? I don't remember exactly, but you know, he took off his glove and he, you know, saluted to, to upstairs to the man upstairs. And like, you know, I thought that was really cool. So. And Zetterberg oh, yeah. hugged him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. That, that was, that was like a heart. Brought a tear to everyone's eye for sure. Yeah. He's had a few of those awesome moments. So like, that Definitely. I want to see that Tatar like every game, like bring your emotion. And of course, the are you entertained? No, are you <laughs> are entertained? Not <laughs> entertained for four that, more years. So. <laughs> I mentioned a couple weeks ago on the Wing Octopus podcast, I said the sad thing is once he leaves, we'll lose 90% of our, uh, our gifts, gifts that we're able to get <laughs> for, for the Red Wings, which now we can use again for four more years. So, um, you know, his, his excitement, enthusiasm he brings to the team is awesome. Um, some of those goals are um Dak Souk like um in a certain ways with some of his toe drags yeah. and some of his deeks um so I you know and I hope once he gets healthy after the shoulder thing that um he can bring it for a full season night in night out and not have nights you know where he's disappearing yeah for sure <laughs> I, I think that's the key for Nyquist or yeah. not, well Tatar and Nyquist as well uh, because when those guys are going, those guys are really good hockey players, of course. And, and those guys can put the puck in the net. And those guys are the type of players that will take you from being, you know, a, maybe a borderline, you know, probably missed the playoffs team to a team that's going to make the playoffs and could possibly win around. Because, like I said before, it's the NHL. You never know in the NHL. It's not the NBA where there's two good teams. It's not the NFL where the Patriots rule everything pretty much. You know, it, it, there's there's competitive balance. And I yeah. think in the NHL, you just never know. And that's the, I would say that's the biggest thing, honestly. And here's the other thing. When Tatar and Nyquist are confident and they're skating with the puck and they're taking shots, they're, they're scary. They're both of them, they're scary. Very. But, but they just go, go into these lapses, like, in their long – 
Johan Franzen like laps it, mm-hmm. laps it. Mm-hmm. Right. They're exactly. very streaky. They'll streaky. have five hot streaky. games and they'll go cold for a month. That's the frustrating part mm-hmm. is just dealing with yep. players that are just streaky and you want them to be consistent. And they like, should be hey, the goal scorers. I mean, they, they just should. They're, they're guys that can contribute there. So. Well, I think there's one other thing with uh, on the Nyquist front, though. I think Nyquist got overrated um, by putting the team on his back when, you know, in reality, he's not a goal scorer. He's by trade a playmaker. So, you know, that's – you kind of paid a playmaker goal scorer money, and that's that's where, like, a lot of people are like, well, Nyquist is overpaid. Yeah, he is overpaid. He's getting paid as a I goal scorer. I think the scorer. fans overhyped him that season, yes, the fans we all – Yep. The goose is loose. We hopped on, and now we're kind of paying the price for getting uh, too excited that. too quickly. Yes, well, I do guys, love that the goose is loose. <laughs> those guys will be kind of part of our uh, youth movement, and um, they'll be part of that youth movement with Dylan Larkin, who was uh, premiered on the other day on the news uh, kind of as a little spotlight area, talking about um, his confidence coming into this season and the Red Wings youth movement, um, if, if they can rely on them. And, uh, it was said that he was going to start this season just like he did last season at center, which I think we need is a position still of need in Detroit, um, and I think it's a position that Larkin needs to get better at. Uh, looking at his face-off numbers, you know, the last two years, he was just 40 per, 41% uh, in his rookie year, and then his sophomore year, he just followed it up with uh, 45%. So he really has to improve in the face-off circle, I think, to be – a, a solid center in Detroit. I, lo- I love him when he uses his speed and kind of gets out on the wings, but I think he has to improve his numbers in the faceoff circle, you know, and, and I hate to make this comparison, but in the time that Steve Ott was in Detroit, he won 58% of faceoffs um, as a center and had about 180, 180 opportunities to do so. Um, so I kind of want to get your guys thoughts on um, if you saw those comments with Dylan Larkin and his confidence, uh, coming into uh, this season and can he improve um, as a center for this team for a long time? I did see the video, um, Detroit's own Brad Galley on Channel 7 up here, so shout out to Brad Galley. Um, he did that interview because Larkin was doing his, um, if you guys saw on Twitter, his hockey school from his yeah. hometown. Yeah. So he was hosting that and they uh, they interview him because, you know, hometown thing. And watching the video, you could tell, like, Dylan, he just looked, like, kind of refreshed. And he was saying he feels more confident. And he also made a comment that he's played a lot of hockey the last two years. He looks like he's true. grown, he doesn't what? he? I mean, he, yeah, that he kid was actually, just, like, baby face like, two years ago. Of. And now he looks like he's a 26 he's like a guy now. with three kids and, like. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's not a baby anymore. But um, just hearing him talk, he, he just sound more confident. And yeah. uh, a comment he made towards the end of the interview, he said, the end of the season, like he's like, our last game at the Joe, the way we played against New Jersey, we played so well. And he goes, I thought to myself on the bench, how come we couldn't fight this all season? And he admitted that, like, with all the hockey he was playing, he would be tired at that point of the season. So he gave himself rest. He just started skating. He said the last few weeks he said he feels good. So if he's confident, I'm going to trust him and hope that he's, like, learned not to, you know, you don't have to play hockey nonstop. I know hockey is life, but you need a break. We're counting on you, Dylan. You're, like, the next generation of Wings players. So be smart. So if he's confident, I'll give him a chance. But, I mean, obviously if he doesn't do well at center, then there's going to have to be a change. But mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that he will do well. See, there's two hands of this. There's the hand where the Red Wings need a center. But there's also a chance, and, and this is where I kind of disagree with what both of you guys are saying. You know, if he's confident in playing it, okay, all the power to him. But here's my thing. Okay, you, great. You know, you'd love to, him to play in the middle, right? 
And, you know, if you look at the centers down the middle, they only have five. They have Zetterberg, they have Nielsen, they have Helm, they have Riley Sheehan, and they have Andreas Athanasiu, who's not really a center, and then they have Glenn Deming. So um, bad count there. But basically, they don't have enough centers as it is. So you're kind of forcing this kid to learn center. And if he's a better winger, I would just leave him on the wing. Just don't piss him off. Don't Now, basically, you guys are saying it won't piss him off, but – in the grand scheme of things, let him do what he does best. Let him use his speed. Let him use his skill. And I think that's best suited on the wing. I, I just, I think that he's one of those players that you just let him do his thing. Like Phil Kessel, like Patrick well, Kane, yeah. like, uh, um, you know, those kind of players. I feel like Dylan Larkin is one of those guys that's not going to want to come back and play defense all the time like a center has to. And then there's also the chance that you ruin a kid like him by making him play too defensively as as a center and, yeah, and not and, using yeah. his speed and yeah. skill. And, and that era of two-way forwards that Detroit has been so good at, um, having Zetterberg and Datsuk uh, for the last decade, kind of probably changes uh, some of those guys' mindsets or what they want for some of these young guys coming in. I, I don't think that they're forcing him to play center. I think he's a guy who can play center, but – to your point, I think you're right. I think you got to get him settled in an area and kind of keep him in that area. The moment you start bouncing him around and saying, yeah, yeah. you know, and start kind of picking apart, um, you know, those areas, and he does need to improve in the face-off circle. But um, I, I, I think you're right. They need to kind of get him in that lane and keep him there and do what he does best. Yeah, because I mean, you think about it. Last year they started him. Um, in the middle, and then like two weeks into the season, they scrapped that. They're like, nope, we're moving him right away. We're a better team with him on the wing. And if that's what they think, then I'm just going to say, do what you think is best for this kid. Because if you ruin this kid, you have problems. (laughs) You have problems. So that's all I'm going to say. As I say, like, let's see how the preseason goes and how the first few handful of games. I mean, I feel like you can get a good, like, feel the first few weeks of the season, but you don't want to wait too long. Like, if he's not producing, then a change needs to be made. Like, don't wait until Christmas time. Definitely. But the other thing you have to understand is centers do take a little bit to develop. So, you know, and and his production is probably going to suffer if you do put him in the middle. And that's – I'm not – saying that I disagree totally with putting him in the middle. I just say, you know what, like put him somewhere and leave him there. Yeah. Like don't, don't start thinking <laughs> yeah. with them and dunking with them because then you're going to lose production. You're going to lose speed. You're going to lose. You may even lose him as a player, you know, yeah. it, mentally. So when we talked about in previous podcasts before that is plus minus was one of the worst in the league last year. And, and yeah. we know we talked about, you know, this kid being 19, 20 years old, he's got a lot to learn and, and he's probably in the right place for some guys to look up to for that. Um, you know, hopefully that, that confidence thing that, you know, you mentioned test and that he mentioned in that video. Um, if, if he's as confident as, as he sounded, you know, it, it'll be pretty exciting. Very speaking of confidence. Um, <laughs> Hopefully, our uh, homeboy, Jimmy Howard, has a lot of confidence going into this season because there was an article released by Adam Gretz on NHL NBC Sports that the Red Wings would like Jimmy Howard to play between 15 and 55 games this season, which I honestly chuckled the first time I saw that. Like, we're talking about, like, our Jimmy Howard, like, the same Jimmy Mm -hmm. Howard. So, here's a quote. Um, 
who was it? I'm sorry. Oh, the goalie coach, Jeff's. Uh, I cannot pronounce his last name. I'm not going to butcher it. I butcher <laughs> names really bad. He was quoted um, apparently talking to Helene St. James of the Free Press saying, We're very comfortable with having Jared Koru as a third uh, goalie. I have no problem with him being the backup goalie either. If we can keep Jimmy Howard healthy to play 50 to 55 games, I was comfortable with Jared in a role like that. But we obviously had Peter back. Vegas didn't have interest in him, so I'm hoping he comes in with a chip on his shoulder and something to prove. So apparently they're saying, like, they don't really want Nick Peter the number one because I guess there's still, like, some bad blood just from that comment. So no pressure, Jimmy. You're our go-to <laughs> right now. <laughs> so ideally, yeah, when Jimmy's good, like, he's good. We talked about it a, two podcasts ago. Like, both Maratic and Howard were good if you let them be in net for more than three games. Yes, that's, but that's then the they were beat. They would get too mental. Yeah, that's so where you have a problem with two starting goalies. I mean, yeah. both of them can yeah. be starters in the NHL. You gotta right have a problem. You gotta have yeah, a so work. if Jimmy, if they literally, if they have told Jimmy like you're going to be your number one, so get that in your head mentally for training camp, be number one, like play your best. I think he could be amazing because we've seen him be amazing. So if he has that mindset, and you know, goalies they say are very mental and just kind of weird up there. Yeah more power and, to them and, and i'm like, gonna pick I on him. To keep that i'm gonna pick on him just a little bit obviously he's got to stay healthy that's his big thing um oh, in 2015 sure. 16 he only played in 37 games starting 33 of those last year he played in just 26 starting 24 of those um the two seasons prior to those he played in around 52 games in both of those seasons but he was only at 23 and 21 wins uh once in a season since his first three full seasons in Detroit, where he won 37, 37, and 35 um, from 09 to 2012. So I, I want him to be that guy, and I want him to be healthy, and I want him to have that confidence. But to our point of as long as Blashill isn't switching them out every other night and kind of giving these guys um, a go at giving a confidence streak and, and um, the guys that are playing in front of them – you know, Howard, we mentioned before, Howard and Mrazek have very two different styles of goaltending. And I think your team kind of needs to – it's not that they don't know who's playing behind them, but your game style changes different depending on the goalie. Um, yeah, it does, definitely. So, again, I'd love 50 to 55 games from Jimmy Howard this year if we could get that. Heck, at this point, I'd love around 45 just because he hasn't been healthy in a few years. so A healthy 45 games. Yes, a healthy 45 games. Healthy. Yes, he does, he deserves to have a good, healthy season. I feel like he's long overdue for being completely healthy. Like, he's worked hard, you know. So I hope I'm pulling for him. So doesn't this tell you that they just don't believe in Peter Mrazek anymore? No, no. I don't think because, that. I no, think they're, hold on, let me I finish. think it's more of like teaching him a lesson. So, but they did draft Keith Petroselli. And they yeah. also brought back Tommy McCollum. Like, wh what is the oh, – yeah. like, this, to me, tells me – like I said before, it kind of smells of something. Like, you know, initially I thought they were going to move Mrazic, but there's no takers for him. See, so, I, wonder, I wonder if that uh, leak kind of nixed all those plans. I wonder if – Yeah, it's a possibility for sure. The, I'm just wondering if his attitude – if, like, if it was known that he, it was basically his attitude problem, no GM's going to want an attitude but, no, no player in the right. locker room. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, they're kind of shooting themselves like in the foot if that, if that report gets out. 
Um, yeah, yeah definitely. I think it's a little more than that, too. When Howard was healthy, he played incredible last year, and Morazic did not have a great year of sorts. So I think you're kind of basing it off that. I don't think after all these, whether it's attitude issues or, or the kind of year that Morazic had, that you come into next year and tell Morazic, hey, despite you bitching and moaning about your situation, despite about the last year that you had, you're going to be our number one goalie going into training camp. I think that would be more shots of Jimmy Howard than it would be Morazic. But I think that you tell the same guy in Morazic that, look, you're going to come in and compete night in, night out. Jimmy is going to be our quote-unquote number one goalie, but if you're going to p- compete for playing time, you've got you to gotta be ready to go. I think so here's what's Peter, inconsistent. Like, come though. fight for your job. Sorry, Tyler. Yeah. So here, like I said, here's what's inconsistent. I would say that they preach that they want to get younger on forward. They want to get younger on defense. Yet now you're going to start a 33-year-old goalie 50 to 55 games. I have no problem with it because that it's consistent. It, it, it is consistent if you think about it. Because, you know, they say they want to get back to the playoffs. Okay, fine. You want to get back to the playoffs? I guess you play the, quote-unquote, better goalie right now. But if, you know, it's it's a little bit inconsistent at the same time because they say they want to get younger on the uh, on forward. They also want to get younger on the back end, yet you're going to put a 33-year-old goalie in there when you also have uh, up-and-coming, uh, you know, could have been number one, 27 year old or whatever he is, goaltender. It just, it, it's a little inconsistent, but at the same time, it's consistent. I don't know. Well, I have a yeah, question. I feel like it's more of a what have you done for me lately yeah. type situation. Sure it is. How, and that's how sports is. That's yes. how sports is just in general. Yeah. It's a what have you done for me lately. Fans are fickle um, in that sense. Um, but I kind of have a question for you guys, and this is more of a um, open ended question. If you guys can tweet us on Twitter, if you guys have any. Uh, any answers for this, but I don't know of many other teams around the NHL that have literally two guys that are starters on the same team. And and I can't think, and it it probably doesn't work very well in today's day and age as we talk about having a workhorse. Can you guys think of anybody that has, I mean, I can't off the top of my head, everything else is, oh yeah, he's just a backup and he's came in and played well. I don't, and maybe I'm just too focusing on, on, on our team with, with who Morazic is, I think around the league, Morazic so is hard. highly touted. But well, I think I think previously uh, you've had uh, Luongo and and Schneider is the one that comes to yeah. mind. You but they didn't stay together Pender. for long, right? No, they didn't. They traded both of them, in fact, because that 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 <laughs> but, yeah. because that organization is incompetent as they come. Yeah. But here's here's the thing, you know, with Luongo, we, Jimmy Howard's not Roberto Luongo, okay. But I guess it's the best comparison because Luongo, you know, was older at that time and Schneider was the up-and-coming goalie. And so I guess that's where the comparison comes. But right now, I really can't think of one. And and if if there's a guy that comes in and steps up and plays really well, teams have either traded away the old guy – or they have kept, they have traded, or they kept, sorry, they kept the new guy and traded away the old guy, or they dish off the guy who came in and played well. Um, I haven't seen a team really keep two goalies. And again, if there's somebody out there that I'm missing, everybody, you know, tweet me later, whatever. I mean, um, but there's one. I do have one here. I don't know that this is like cut and dry. Both could start in the NHL, but Kari Lettinen and Ben Bishop down in Dallas. I think both of those guys could be started, but I don't think oh, it's yeah. consistent because 
Ben Bishop isn't as young as Peter Mrazek, I don't think. I but they both just that. got there together, right? They haven't been in the yeah, same exactly. system yeah. for a number yeah. of years. So before it was like a big name goalies, though. Just an idea. Yeah. I mean, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. If I find anything, I'll let you know. But that's, okay, that's what I, I really wish I could think of something, but I can't. I just, I don't know. I feel like a goalie issue in Detroit, it's like we've been bitching about it for the last 25 years. Like literally yeah. since we had Ozzy and freaking Manny Legacy and Hassett. Like we were, we're never happy here. We no, but there were that. years that stuff, like when you, they had Curtis Joseph those years. Like that Oh, yeah, Kuta. That did not work out well and. No. Fans were pretty fickle about that. Then you came in and had that opening closed door of Manny Legacy and Ty Conklin <laughs> and, and just oh, there yeah. were some guys in there that is just like, all right. It would be nice to have like a drama-free goalie season here, but I don't think that's possible <laughs> that's in not Detroit because I can be hopeful. I can be optimistic. No, you can be optimistic just, all be- you want. The, the reality is we just drafted a goalie, and now there's three goalies that could probably – well, in Corot's case, he could probably be a backup in the NHL right now. Howard and Mrazek could both be starters. I don't know about Mrazek being a great starter, but I think he could be a competent starter mm-hmm. and at some point be great. But. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out at training camps right around the corner. Well, speaking of optimism, uh, so hockey is 70 days away. I don't know if you guys can keep in tabs on, like, the Twitter countdown. I have 70, like, yes. 70 days. Um, we're going to be in LCA, like, closer than we were at Joe Lewis. So my question for mm-hmm. you guys, what do you hope to see, like, either what they brought over, like, as, like, an item-wise to LCA or, like, just, like, some traditions that you hope just to kind of give you, like, that old barn feeling? Because I don't think we're all ready to truly let go of Joe Lewis just yet. Well, I'm going to kind of, uh, I'll answer that, but I'm going to say hopefully that LCA has Sergei Fedorov's retired jersey. It wouldn't necessarily be brought over from Joe Lewis, although it deserved to have been retired in Joe Lewis. I'll say that again. Um, that needs to be retired. Um, I don't know as much a, as much of an item that would be pulled over. I, I enjoy seeing. Or like something that you saw, like quotes. Or yeah, pictures, the, like the something quote. Something that you think maybe and, like motivational. And I used to have it on my phone all the time. The quote that was Greatness on top of, the of their choice. locker room. As soon as they were walking out the tunnel, walking out of the locker room. And I can't think of it right Greatness now. Greatness is a daily, is a daily choice. choice. Yeah. Is, that, is that the one? They had okay. one with Babcock, too. The one with Babcock was cool. I don't remember what it was. but But, but that would be. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, I can't. Um... That would be that would be my thing. You know, they had some areas that had some different, uh, you know, just pictures and images. I'm sure that they'll do it upright. So yeah, that that would be my thing. Do. Retire Sergey Fedorov's jersey. <laughs> um. So I, I'm weird. So uh, you know, obviously, I want to see like the statues and the whole nine yards, all of that. But oh yeah, I want to hear the same goal horn. I, am I oh, weird for, for sure. wanting to hear the yes. same goal horn? Yeah. I, I want to hear no, the same goal horn. I want to see this. I want to hear the same music. And, you know, obviously I want to see all the banners. I don't know that they're going to bring all the banners, to be honest with you. They'll bring the Stanley Cup banners. Yeah. They'll bring all yeah. that. But I think that a lot of the conference championships and they can condense all that, which I think is what's going to happen because the Pistons are coming to town, which yeah. I don't know how yeah. you feel about that. To whom is given much as expected. Oh, that's another one, yes. As soon as they What about you, Tess? What do you think? 
I was thinking, I, I was like pondering like this earlier today because I had like a few minutes of downtime during my crazy work schedule. I was wondering like, should LCA kind of start fresh and they can kind of leave like the legacy of the Joe Lewis behind? And so like this new generation, these new kids can kind of like make their own name for themselves or should they still have all of those great ones like around them to like motivate them? I don't know, like, is it going to motivate them or they want to make their own path? Like what's you the better? You mean the songs or what do you mean exactly? No, like just like around, like just like the pictures and, and pictures having like and band, images like, and not, murals, and just stuff, like the yeah. like images and all like you know. Because remember, like when um on the outside of the locker room they had all of the names of like the Stanley Cup change, all those names and mm-hmm. people that won the awards. Like people always said it was motivating, but now when like new building, fresh start, you know, they always say like new chapter, new start. <laughs> like is that their motto? <laughs> new building, new me. <laughs> I think literally. That- I personally think they're going to bring a lot of – I don't know if they're going to bring it all over. I think they'll make new bring stuff and they'll make new. Yeah. They'll, they'll make it look cool. But if there's one thing that the Red Wings do well, I know that they've won over the last 25 years a lot and everything, all of that. But I think that one thing that they know how to do, they know how to dress up their building, they know how to do ceremonies, and they know how to um, dress the team. With, with, you know, clothes and, and jerseys and, you know, everything, that the, the apparel, everything, perfect. Everything that the Wings do in that aspect is perfect. And I think that this will be as well. I just want to be, like, as, like, excited when you walk into Joe, like, everyone's, like, you know, it's an old building, but there's so many statues and pictures and just, like, just history. Like, I know LC is going to be brand new, but I want to get that kind of, like, warm, fresh hug when you walked into, you know, the Joe. Like, you just felt like you it was home. So I hope that we can make lca home i'm still kind of salty about the name i just I mean i know it's our owner's <laughs> company but come on i honestly just you know even even being a kid you know f- here from massachusetts and the first time i ever got went in joe lewis arena you know i had never stepped foot in detroit in my life and like i just felt like there was 21,000 friends among uh, like people from twitter and stuff where talking to me and everything but like even people that didn't have twitter people older people like moms like grandparents like these people are talking to me i don't even know who you are and like they're just asking me where i'm from like they hear my accent and like they're like how did you become a red wings fan well i mean the greatest red wing of all time steve eisenman besides Gordon how <laughs> and like just it felt like home and i just hope that lca feels like that and i don't really know that it will well, and the last thing uh, on the Joe here, I'll, I'll send you guys the links and, and we'll try to get it tweeted out. Uh, the official Red Wings uh, YouTube page tweeted out, or I'm sorry, not tweeted out, um, posted two videos uh, yesterday and today, final farewells to the Joe. Um, two parts that are like two and a half, three minutes each. Um, part one is all the current Red Wings just talking about uh, what the Joe meant to them and how much they enjoyed playing there. Part two is all the different alumni from Darren McCarty to Mike Vernon, Kurt Maltby, uh, guys just talking about how much they enjoyed playing there. Um, just kind of if you guys have two or three minutes to um, go and look at that, uh, it was very cool to hear what they thought of the fans and uh, hear, you know, what they thought of Joe Lewis. It's so crazy that, like, we're not going to be playing. Like, I'm still – I'm not, like, prepared to watch, like, the first season game, like, at LCA. It's going to be weird. Like, and it's so guys- weird. To, to wrap this up at some point, but I do want to get your guys' thoughts about this because I don't think we ever did talk about this. 
Tanner Tess, what 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 were your favorite memories of Joe Louis Arena? Whether it be the music, whether it be um, you know just anything, like it doesn't have to be a certain game. It doesn't have. What, what were your like favorite like memories or like anything from Joe Louis Arena? Hmm. Besides well, I'm everything, season ticket holder. <laughs> Besides everything. <laughs> I had season tickets with my family for four seasons and it was all just an amazing experience. I'm trying to think what year it was the season that Gordy Howe had a stroke. I remember it was a Halloween. Mm-hmm. We played on Halloween. We played against LA and in commercial break or on the chairs more right before the game, they had all these signs where everyone said, get well Gordy. And during commercial break, they asked us all to stand up and, you know, hold up your sign. And I forget what song they played. It was just very emotional. You know, we, the whole 20,000 people kept chanting Gordy, Gordy. And it was just an amazing feeling. Like you had 20,000 people holding up that sign. And you're like, just trying to, you know, help out Mr. Hockey as much as you can. And then I saw the next day that the family, Mr. the how family showed Gordy that video of all of us standing yeah, up and he like a smile, like, you know, after, you know, his, during his recovery. And it was just like an amazing, like, just that sense of family and unity. That's one of the moments I'll always remember. One of my favorite moments from the Joe. Um, mine are always just, just because we care so much about this team. It's always the fan moments, um, whether it's throwing octopus on the ice, whether it's, uh, singing music, even after the puck is in play and going up and down the ice and finishing the rest of the verse or the chorus. Um, those are always my favorite moments. Um, those are kind of stuffs that give you goosebumps while just sitting at home watching it on TV. Um, you know, a lot of those players mentioned just the way that Joe Lewis was designed. I mean, it was right on top of the ice. It's, I mean, literally right there, there's, it's seats on seats. There's no mid-level suites. So um, fans created a lot of, um, a lot of differences in games just from being as loud as they can. So um, that is kind of my one favorite thing that um, comes from that. And I hope, I hope it carries over uh, to LCA just with a different, uh, you know, it being built a little bit differently than Joe Lewis was. I think to me, it's memories that'll last a lifetime. You know, it's just like the first time I was in Joe's Arena, and and the last time too, because you know the Bruins took a four-one lead on the Wings, and you know everyone thought it was over. Jared Carroll got pulled, and the Wings come back and and beat the Bruins in the shootout, and just like it's like it was a regular season game, and the crowd was insane, mm-hmm. and it was a Wednesday night rivalry, which I guess made it a little bit bigger, but, like, it was just a regular season game in January, and, like, it was it was insane, and, like, just like I said, memories will last a lifetime. Yeah. It's, Even when we were out of the playoffs and, more- and Shvechnikov had that shootout goal after they went about 18 oh, yeah. rounds or whatever in that shootout, and everybody on Twitter is yeah. taking out for five players in a row, put the kid out there, and then Mickey said something about it. Um, on the broadcast and, and him scoring just the reaction of everybody, um, even even for a team uh, that was out of the playoffs at that point, just uh, awesome to see. I have one more quick thing. My first game ever to Joe Lewis was for my 16th birthday many, many years ago, and it was against uh, Montreal Canadiens because I said my first game has to be against an original 16. So my family <laughs> took me, and I had the same birthday as the one only Chris Osgood, so I feel really cool that I shared a birthday with him. So I made him a sign because it was his birthday too. I said, "Hey, Ozzy, it's my it's my birthday too. Like, good luck or whatever." And I went down to the glass before um, during warmups, and Chris Draper saw me and tapped his stick at me, gave me a thumbs up, and then like kind of gave like a stick to Ozzy. He looked at me and gave me a little head nod, another thumbs up. I felt so cool as a sixteen year old. He's like, "You saw my sign." I felt like hot shit. And then I mean, 
a few years ago when I was, you know, a student ticket holder, I would go down to the glass and just, you know, just being so close to the mm-hmm. players, just how nice, you know, they were, even though they're trying to get ready for a game, they would still make time to say hey to a kid or hey to a person that had a sign, give a puck to a kid. It's just that I hope that's the same, like you get that same level of like intimacy, not to like sound weird, but like that you feel so close to these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope that carries and, over. So many times in like these big buildings and like the, the new this, the new that. I mean, I, I've used this example before. I don't think it's a good example because New York is the big apple and, you know, it's just it's different. But when the Yankees moved from Yankee Stadium, the old one, to the new one, you, you know, you lost being able to go – like down to the field and be able to see guys like Jeter and A-Rod and those guys and like lost fans. But I don't think it's going to be like that in Detroit. I think that, you know, Detroit is very, you know, kind of a close knit town. And I think that, you know, even just the state of Michigan will, will have an impact on that. I don't think there, there will be a problem there. I agree. It's an exciting time. Um, but I would just say the last thing, Honestly, and and you kind of brought this up, Tanner, but like um, Sveshnikov's goal, um, you know, that was cool. And then like, uh, I don't know if you guys remember Anthony Mantha's first goal and like his grandfather was there like crying and like. Yes. With his iPad and amazing in on him. Oh, that was such a. I always love the, um, the, uh, it was more on road games, I think, but was it for like dad night or whatever they would have like all the dads in one in one suite oh, yeah. oh, the dads. Yeah. And, and every time one of those guys would score they would have a camera just on them the whole game and they'd show yeah. their that is like one of my favorite things at any time that they do that just watching those guys high five each other like these are the players dads just all are they won <laughs> they brought the moms on yes like they brought the moms on them they lost and the guys like moms you guys can't come on yeah they got swept they got swept they're awesome they went down to florida and and got their asses kicked (laughs) those are awesome they're like moms you can't come anymore (laughs) (laughs) sorry mom you gave me life but you can't come to my house (laughs) hell even the dylan larkin first goal like his his first night in the nhl against the leafs it was probably the last time justin i was watching amazing Yeah, three goals in one game. Oh, man. I'm sorry. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, memories that will last a lifetime. And, and, you know, hopefully that the new arena gives what Joe Lewis did to us, you know, even just as kids. So, I mean, you know, that's – and I just – you know what? The other thing I just want to say is, like, you can watch that, and if you're a true Detroit Red Wings fan, you watch that final ceremony at Joe Louis Arena, you have to cry. You have to. Even oh, if you just yeah. tear up just a little bit, you have to cry. And uh, so, I cried that entire night. I cried from before they even dropped the puck. I cried when they gave Henrik Zetterberg that little thing for his 100th or 1,000th career game. I was crying all night. <laughs> like I, I'm still I, internally I, crying. <laughs> so as much as I'd love to – sit here and talk more <laughs> about Joe Lewis and Reno. <laughs> we, we do have to move on. We do have to move on to bigger and better things, hopefully. And hopefully this season will be good to us. In terms of uh, good things to do here. So we are sponsoring a golf outing. So it's the 7th Annual Andrew, Andrew Gulch Memorial Golf slash Hockey Outing. Um, Basically, we're sponsoring it. Um, there's going to be some giveaways there. Uh, well, not giveaways. Uh, silent auctions, so you can win a Danny DeKaiser jersey. 
Um, I believe there's a Nick Felino jersey. Not that you guys would want that. <laughs> um, but there's a, there's all kinds of cool stuff. There's actually a uh, Chris Wormley. I believe it's a signed helmet or jersey. I'm not sure exactly it's what it was. And then you know, yeah, signed Ted, Ted Lindsay, Lindsay jersey. jersey. Yeah, yeah. an autographed and, and not the, jersey as well. In case just trying wow. to get so, everything. So so like I said, it should be a good cause, and uh, it is um. It is August 19th, uh, so it's a Saturday. So if you guys are in the Ohio area or the Michigan area, just feel free to stop by and, and donate because it is to a good cause. And, you know, it's for – it's basically benefiting muscular dystrophy. And like I said, you know, it's a good cause. So definitely can donate something. You can actually go to the website. It's it's called um, gulchmemorial.com, and, and, you know, just definitely check it out. So – Shout out to them and uh, shout out to everybody in Winged Octopus who is uh, willing to help out with this. Uh, once the idea of uh, being a sponsor Definitely. for this event uh, we thought was a incredible idea, not not just to uh, get our get our names out there, but um, you know the fact that this outing does benefit um, muscular dystrophy. Um, I, I know some people who who, who deal with it, um, but yeah, definitely a great cause, and uh, we're glad to help where we can. Yeah, for sure. So I guess that's where we're going to end it, guys. I, I appreciate you guys coming on and everything, and thank you. you know being being the hosts that you guys are, co-hosts that you guys are. Um, I hope you guys a have time. a good night. Uh, but if but before, can you guys please shout out your Twitter handles? Go ahead. Quickly, Tess, you go um, first. Tanner didn't do it. I'm Steve Eisenman. Please come home. Oh, I didn't do it today. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm no, sorry. I stole your thunder. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. You can repeat it. Mrs. Before. Illich. Please come home. Get, him on, get on the phone. phone. FaceTime. Call Stevie. Call Stevie. <laughs> if both Anyways, of you guys are my, listening, please come home. My Twitter handle is at TMDudleyXO. Mine is at the other T Swift. You can follow me at Tyler underscore Seely, S E A L E Y, not L Y, people. <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely follow Tanner and Tess there. Good follow. You can also follow the Winged Octopus on Twitter at Winged Octopus. You can follow us on Instagram as well. We're going to be coming out with a Snapchat so you guys can take it over while you're at a game, whether you're in Ooh. Boston or you're in Detroit or you're in yes. LA. Hell, it doesn't yes. matter where you are. You can take over, over the Winged Octopus. So love it. Um, you know, it should be a cool thing. Uh, you know, we just kind of dropped that there. Um, but yeah, so you can also follow us on Facebook. Uh, we, we do post some stuff on there. So other than that, guys, Steve Eisenman, please come home and have a great night, everyone. Stay classy, Hockey Town. Midnight